here at Springfield Church of the Brethren, November the 1st. We are officially two months to the end of the year. I'm okay with 2020 going away. <laughs> A couple of announcements. Uh, Bible study continues Tuesday night on Zoom at 7 o'clock. Um, today is the last day for donations for CropWalk. Um, Acme is doing their cash back in, I think I saw someone come in receipts, so I'm guessing there's a thing back there for receipts to go into. Thank you for everyone who came to the meeting this last Wednesday night. We did go a little long, but it was also our first council meeting since, well, before I was here. Uh, so that, that has been a little while, so I guess it's understandable if it goes a little long. Thank you to all those who came. I have had at least one person request a copy of the video. We did put it up on YouTube as a unlisted um, so that those who wanted to watch it later, they could. So if you did want to watch it still, let me know. I will send you a copy of it. It's unlisted, so that means you cannot find it unless I give you the direct link. And we'll be taking it down in the next week or so. Um, are there any other announcements? Yes, if you haven't noticed, there are two new beautiful tables in the back. Um, this is from the memorial of Marge uh, Nepp, um, and Terry Tucker was the one who... who uh, got that through for us and put them in. I, I'm guessing I can see Terry, the top of Terry's head, just poking and everything went well and Terry was here to pick them, put them in place. Yeah, she's giving me a nod. So yeah, those came in at the end of this last week. Uh, if you have anything for the newsletter, the deadline is Tuesday. Um, and there was one last thing in here. Oh yes. Uh, there is a young adult fall hiking day not very far from here at Peninsula. The address is in here. It's at the Deep Lock Quarry Metro Park um, at 2 p.m. It's high school grads through 30s. Um, so if you'd like to take a hike and get to know some other brethren young people, come stop in. Any other questions you have, uh, reach out to Jenny Imhoff. She's the uh, district youth and young adult coordinator. Um, information's in here, um, along with, I believe it went out in the last district newsletter, which was this last week. So quarterly um, giving, um, I, I can say quarterly giving reports. reports are in your mailboxes. If you are not coming into the church building right now and like a copy, contact the church office, we'll have it sent out to you. As we move into our time of sharing for prayers, um, I haven't had a chance to talk to Sandra since her surgery on Friday, but keep holding her in your hearts. I know she just had that. Are there any other joys or concerns you wish to share with the community? <laughs> So for those of you who are out and can't hear except through me right now, um, Sandra's um, 
procedure was put off to another day, kidney stone, so they're gonna to have to do surgical removal. Um, Dick and Shirley are doing well, though they are lonely to be with us, and honestly, we're lonely for them to be with us. Um, Dick has sent a note that's sitting on the back along with something he made, did you say it was a drawing? It's a little guy which he calls the old man that looks like him. So make sure you check out the little guy who looks like Dick. <laughs> Back there. <laughs> so you said Ashley, correct? Ashley. Isaiah's wife, your, your daughter-in-law. Mm -hmm. um, so Gail's daughter-in-law, Ashley, um, had an accident a couple weeks ago um, and is healing slowly um, and is off work right now for some time to do that better, um, but having a little one keeps you on the move and makes healing a broken bone take a little longer. So prayers for uh, Chris and Doug's mother who is um, moved to the Arbors for, and continuing on dialysis, um, and for, well, Russell and Katie's wedding, which is coming up this Saturday. It's been a long, long time in the works for them. <laughs> So I'm glad, I'm glad we've gotten to the point. We know it's happening. If there's nothing else to share today, if you will join me as listening to the music and preparing our hearts for worship and prayer.
you'll pray with me. Holy Creator, we ask for your presence in this coming week. We know it's going to be stressful. We pray for clarity in the midst of chaos, for comfort in the midst of discomfort. As the autumn leaves fall, bringing us into a new season, help our hearts to be lifted towards the coming days, towards Christmas and the promise of new life, the promise of a new world. We lift up to you our brothers and sisters who are in need of presence and healing. For Sandra, for Ashley, for Mrs. Klein, we ask for presence for those who are lonely, for Elizabeth, for Dick and Shirley. For Norma and Norma. Lord, let us celebrate. Let us celebrate as we do come into new times and new seasons for little voices, for a blessing of a new marriage and the new life and journey that it begins. Hold us close, Holy Creator, and help us to hold one another. Amen. We do have some special music today by our brother Mike. Um, however, for those of you who are out, oh, we're good. Never mind. I'll let you to it then. Hmm. Good morning. Uh, I asked Pastor Andrew what uh, the sermon would be about. He told me death. So, uh, kind of a giveaway. So you know what the sermon's going to be about. Uh, one of the songs that came to my mind and that kind of goes along with those who have gone before us was also one of my mom's favorite songs, too. So, When Peace Like a River. And bear with me because as we had the meeting and everything else, if I do accompaniment by CD or anything, we can't put it out to those of you at home. So I hope you can stand my acapella. When peace like a river attended my when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well 
with my soul, with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trumpet shall sound and the Lord shall descend. Even so usually preach from my preach from my computer but I'm going to walk around today and it's easier to read while I'm standing that way today's reading comes from Ecclesiastes 12 1 through 8 I'm going to be reading um, 
the messages, uh, transliteration of this. Honor and enjoy your creator while you're still young. Before the years take their tolls and your vigor wanes. Before your vision dims and the world blurs. Before the winter years keep you close to the fire. In old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Muscles slacken, grip weakens, joints stiffen, and the shades are pulled down on the world. You can't come and go at will. Things grind to a halt. The hum of your household fades. You are wakened now by bird song. Hikes to the mountains are a thing of the past. Even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns apple blossom white, adorning a fragile and impotent matchstick body. Yes, you're well on your way to the eternal rest while your friends make plans for your funeral. Life, lovely while it lasts, is soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, ends. The body is put back in the same ground it came from. The spirit returns to God who first breathed it. It's all smoke, nothing but smoke. The quester says that's everything's smoke. Amen. There's a man named Latif Nasser. He is a, a public radio producer, host, writer, um, reporter. It, I, he, he's on WNYC, which is New York City's public radio. Uh, most famously, he's on the show called Radio Lab, which is his uh, currently co-hosting. That's something new for him. But he also does some things independently, and one of them is a new Netflix series. It's just six episodes long called Connected. And it's all about the ways that our world is interconnected in complex manners. Like uh, episode four, it's called Clouds. The description reads, how does the cloud above your head connect to the virtual cloud that stores your data? The answer involves a shipwreck and a shark-proof garden hose. That's kind of like down my aisle, you know, interesting and a little weird. But it was the third episode, which is actually the first one I watched, called Dust That Made Me Stop and Really Think. I mean, what, what, what is dust? It's solid particulate matter you know, just floating around, landing on things. You get it from pollution, from smoke, from volcanoes, soil, your pets, you. Yeah, when I think of dust, I remember my mom's age-old battle with the dust that came off the gravel road that runs by our house. It didn't help that we had a cat and a cockatiel. And if you've ever had a bird, they're basically little dust machines. You know, I, or when I was in the kitchen working as a cook, 
You know, it's enough that you have all the dust in the front room that you have to go down and wipe every single night because no one wants to sit down and touch next to them and pull dust off in a restaurant. If you do that, maybe don't go there again. <laughs> They're not cleaning right. Back in the kitchen, you get the grease vaporizing off the grills and stick into everything, and then the dust sticks to that. And I worked in a kitchen that was on two sides uh, farm fields, so we had all the more dust for it. A lot of cleaning. But Nasser, Nasser explored dust in a different way, one that I hadn't expected. Well, first he wanted to go to the dustiest place on earth. There is actually a dustiest place on earth, and no, it's not your cat's bed. So, he takes an airplane all the way out to Chad, if you don't know where Chad is, that, I mean, it's not one of those countries that pops up in the news very often. Large country in the middle of Africa, no seaports, half in the Saharan desert and half in this African savanna. So he flies out there and then he has to take a puddle jumper, jumper out into the middle of the desert. And then he has to drive for hours and hours and hours to get to this place called the Baudelaire Depression. It's the lowest spot in the country. Now see, at one time, Chad had a huge lake in it. There's still a large lake, it's called Lake Chad. So it has this huge lake, Lake Chad, it's about the size of Lake Erie. But a thousand years ago, it was much larger, about the size of modern day Germany. That is one huge lake. And it was filled with fish and plants and animals. But about a thousand years ago, the desert became too dry. Not enough water was entering it, and slowly it shrank down to about 5% of its original size. By the way, the large lake was Lake Megachad. Somehow I feel like they've messed up on the naming there. Anyway, so as it went down, especially there in the Baudelaire Depression, which was one of the last areas to dry up, it became more and more concentrated with the remains of algae and fish and plants and whatnot. Until now, there's this salt pan that is the Baudelaire Depression that's just covered in the remnants of these dead animals and plants and microscopic living things. And as the wind comes rushing out of the desert, it grinds up all this material. And some of it, it lifts up into the air and it spreads it across the globe. It goes across the Atlantic Ocean, right through the same area where all those tropical storms and hurricanes are born. But it's a good thing they go through because they actually slow down the process. They make hurricanes less powerful. They keep tropical storms from turning into hurricanes. They even make tropical storms into regular rainstorms and it falls into the ocean. And it continues across and it falls into the, into the Amazon basin. It's a good thing it does that. You know, one of the side effects of a lot of rain is nutrients gets washed away. I'm guessing to those of you who have farmed that if you put out a lot of fertilizer and then have a lot of constant rain, that a lot of that fertilizer goes away. Am I right? Yeah, I'm getting at least one nod. All right. Same thing in the Amazon, and it rains every single day. If not for that dust, the Amazon wouldn't be the ginormous 
verdant forest it is. And of that dust that falls in the, in the oceans, it feeds the algae, which gives us oxygen to breathe. Almost all of our oxygen comes from algae, and a lot of it from the rainforest as well. It also travels up here into the United States. It feeds our farmlands and our forest and our bodies of water. But it's not always a good thing. It can create such ginormous algae blooms that we can have fish kills or red tide, which are not good. Or, okay, so 2020, I know it's been a crazy year, but you might remember back in July, they were warning us that we should be wearing masks because there was a dust storm coming out of the Sahara Desert up through as far as Ohio, and that's bad for our lungs. I know, in a year with coronavirus, elections, and murder hornets, it didn't even blip on the radar, really. So, and we're already all wearing masks anyway. This dust does amazing things. All these dried up animals and plants have become one of the most powerful forces here on Earth. The show's called Connected. And it's, it, it shows it. Our world is amazingly complex, exceedingly so. We should never discount dust. It's something that seems innocuous and annoying, but it's powerful. Even in our own faith, our story, dust has a major part to play. Genesis 2. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small part of so small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man, um, the man of dust, from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. From dust, from dust, Adam is made. Even Adam's name, it's a play on word. God loves play on words. They're all the, all the way through the Bible. I love it. God has a sense of humor. He calls the first man Adam, which comes from the word for earth, Adama. He forms him from dust which is another word for earth. In fact, the word Adam will go on to mean a person. It doesn't matter gender. It could be a male or female. It's me, Adam means earth person. We are earth people. We're reminded in this story that we are not so different from the soil we walk on. We come from the soil, we return to the soil. And then it goes on in God's pronouncement as Adam and Eve are pushed out of the garden. He says, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. Now this is meant, of course, as, as a punishment. But we know that dust isn't necessarily a bad thing. Dust is amazing. It makes our world work. It makes fields grow. It gives us oxygen as much as it's a harmful thing. 
we walk. We walk through a life that's rich in dust of those who have gone before us. Dust that is full of laughter, of faith, of hard work, of tears, of pain, of sins and mistakes. We walk through it all. You know, John Adams feels like a good week to talk about a former president, first vice president, also the uh, founding father. He wrote, I must study politics and war so that my sons might have the liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. My sons ought to study mathematics and philosophy and geography and natural history and naval architecture and navigation and commerce and agriculture in order that their children have the right to study painting and poetry and music and architecture and statuary and tapestry and porcelain. He wrote this because he knew his life was going to be hard, which if we look back, that generation had a lot going on for them. And he knew that all the hard work, everything he was going to do was going to make life that much better for his sons, which was going to make it that much better for their children, which would make it that much better for their children. Now, it, he, he is being a little... It's a little hyperbole, over-exaggerated, because of course we know it's not that quick and that easy. I mean, just look at three generations after John Adams, the American Civil War. Okay, it didn't exactly go perfect over the next couple generations, but it still goes on like that. It still gets better with every generation. Maybe a little more complex with every generation, but still a lot easier than it was for our forefathers. I am who I am today because Christian Wenger, my 12th great-grandfather, decided that he needed to come to America in the 1730s to start a new life because he was tired of being chased and hounded by the government because he was an Anabaptist. And he was only able to make that choice while living in the Netherlands because his great-grandfather had escaped, well, Zwingli in the sword up in, up in Switzerland, where they were just killing Anabaptists. I am here today because he made those choices. I am here today because all of his children made choices that I get to walk where I am because they have made that path open to me. It's, it's like this, there's a, there's a science fiction, and now, honestly, it's just a science term. It's something scientists talk about. You know, if we want to go to the stars, right now we can't travel light speed. We don't know if we'll ever be able to travel faster than light. Who knows? But at this point, we can't. And so if you wanted to go to another planet, we're talking about hundreds of years of travel. You can't do that as a human. That's just not part. So they come up with this idea of the generational ship. So I might leave and after flying a while, you know, I would have children. And they would take on the responsibilities of piloting and running the ship as I passed away. And perhaps their children and their children's children until finally the destination is reached. That's really not any different than here. We live on a giant generational ship. It's called Earth. 
where each one of us gets to live our part of the life, carrying it a little bit forward and passing the torch of faith, of progress on to the next generation until finally we reach the kingdom of heaven. Because who knows if it'll appear in my lifetime. I mean, that's one of the things the Bible reminds us over and over. You never get to know. But eventually we'll get there in this generational ship. I mean, the Bible reminds us over and over again that time passes and that we get to carry on that light. I mean, how many chapters are there? That It's like the hard thing to do when you're reading the Bible is plowing through those first several books and you get those single, like, long chapters. Da-da-da, begat da-da-da in his 91st year and died in the 998th, and da-da-da-da-da, so on and so on. Over and over and over again, reminding that we're part of the journey. We keep going, we're going to get a little further, and we'll get a little further. It doesn't make it any easier. It never makes it any easier to watch the past generation, the one who carried you to where you're at, to go. We've experienced... I feel more than a fair share this last year with the loss of our sisters and brothers, the loss of Brother Theron and Brother Dory, the loss of our sister Wilma, Sister Karen, Sister Jean, and Sister Doris. I mean, we can, we can take solace in knowing that they've gotten us as far as we've gotten. We can take solace in knowing where they are now with their loved ones, their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, their fathers, their grandparents, all their loved ones. And not only the loved ones that they got to know, but the loved ones whose blood runs through them, the ones whose choices in ancient days made it possible for them to live here in this life to continue the walk of faith. I honestly get to, I believe that's one of the first set of people we get to meet are all those people whose choices gave us the chance to live the life we are. They're the, the same as those people there. They gave us each the choice, the ability to live the life that we are living today. It comes with good points and bad points. No one is a perfect. You know, I... Read Chronicles, read Kings. It's very much the story of the family of David and some other people. You know, these great men and women who raised the whole nation up and then watching as that nation crumbles and rises and crumbles and rises. We all make mistakes. We all have great things in our families and sometimes things that we're less than proud of. But I thank God for that. I thank God that I get to walk in this world covered in the dust of choices of those who have gone ahead of us. I thank God for each person who has come before me to make this world just a little bit better, to help me in my journey, my walk to God. You know, my daughter will never know most of her great-grandparents. It's just the way it is. She'll never know my great-grandma Wanger, great-grandpa Harold, great-grandpa Wanger, 
but I, I think I carry a lot of my grandpa's friendliness and his love of arguing. He'll argue about anything. He'll argue whether the sky is blue. I try not to do that with y'all, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> you know, great-grandma Lois loved to cook for family. She loved music. She loved playing the piano and loved singing hymns. I have that. You know, my, my wife's father's parents, my wife never even met them. They were both living in Hungary. They both died before my, my wife was born. But Lotzi's got his dad's handiness, and my daughter gets to see that. And he's got his mom's playfulness, and there is no bigger kid in my household than my father-in-law. It's going to be a little disappointing when she gets older and she's not really that kind of playful anymore. <laughs> my you know, my mother-in-law's parents, the Orises, great-grandpa Oris loved animals. We love animals. I mean, that's not a huge one, but that, it was so important for him. And great-grandma Mabel, who I was blessed to know, and Gracie was blessed to be held by. We'll only have pictures to remember that relationship. She knew how important it was that family comes together, even when they're all arguing, because that seems to be the other pastime of the Oris families that we like to argue. Not, not as positively as my grandpa. <laughs> but that's a gift that's passed down to Lauren and a gift that's passed down to Grace. And I hope one day some of these gifts will pass from Grace on to her children. Gifts passed down. Their lives live through us and in us. And as I stand here and I see we have a lot of empty pews, partially because we have them taped off and because there are less people coming because of the pandemic, but they're not that empty. There are people who sat in them at one time or another. Peoples whose memories, whose gifts to the lives who are here, the lives who are joining us from online, the lives who are out living in this world, their presence is still here. What they have given is still here, still carrying us forward. We remember them up here today. The pictures of those who we have loved and still love. The pictures of those whose presence is still here with us, even if they aren't physically here. May we be gladdened by them. When I was doing my one and only sermon in seminary, I, I worked a long time on how to end it. And I kind of finally fell on this after something from National Youth Conference, and it stuck through me, and I thought I'd use it today kind of a final blessing. And I may use something like this again in the benediction. We don't walk alone. May we be gladdened by those who went before us and supported by those who walk with us. May you clear the way for those who walk behind us. And may we be filled with the will of the Holy One. I like that idea. We don't walk alone. We walk with those behind and front and beside. So as I, I was choosing today's scripture, which I, if you were here for Jean's sermon when we celebrated her life, you may remember I used Ecclesiastes 
And I used Ecclesiastes because she picked that. And honestly, the more I dive into it, it's one of my favorite books. I say that about every book I dive into because that's the way the Bible works. You dive into it and you discover just how rich it is. Ecclesiastes is a hard book to read. It's sad in many ways. But the writer reminds us his whole point is you get to live one life. He opens the book by telling you everything is meaningless. Neville, Neville, everything is Neville. What he's actually saying is everything is smoke. All the things you think you build up in this life is just smoke. It's intangible, beautiful, and unable to be grasped. But then he goes on to say there are some things that are worth it. You know, yes, if you open up the history book, you're going to find certain people in there, the wealthy and the powerful. But let's face it, the wealthy and the powerful aren't the ones that you will remember. The ones you remember are the ones who walked with you. The ones who understood that wealth and power is heaven. It's smoke. It's meaningless. They knew what was meaningful. Love. Faith. Family. Presence. That's what he's reminding. As we get toward, as our life goes on, things change. Don't get to that point in your life where his, he ends the book reminding us that you'll get to that point where you're going to be able to do less than you want. Don't reach that point trying to still grasp on to Hevel. Don't grasp on the meaninglessness. Don't grasp on the smoke. I don't want smoke in my life. Believe it or not, I want dust. I want to leave this world a little dustier. I want my life to be fertilizer for those who come after me. I want to help others grow better. I want to be meaningful. Smoke isn't meaningful. It just rises and disappears and is soon forgotten. I have been well fertilized in my life by those who have gone before me, some who I get to still celebrate every year with, and some I mourn their passing but celebrate that they were a part of it. Someday we all return to the dust. But the question really is, are you going to leave it a little dustier when you do that? Or when you leave, do you get to be like these folks? to be left with memories of love, to be left with memories of comfort, to be left with memories of what faith in real life looks like. I'm okay with being dusty. I like that idea. Thank you.
Music deserves to be clapped for. <laughs> as you go out in this world, as you continue on this journey of life, may you be supported by those who have gone before you, fertilized, and made better by their lives. May you support one another as you continue your journeys together, for it's together that we are community and are the church. And as you go forward, may you, in return, make path for those who come after you as we continue this group walk towards the kingdom of heaven. May you be dusty. Amen.